Hello and welcome to Chick Flicks. I'm Mackenzie Chapman. And I'm Bridget Hovell. And in this episode of Chick Flicks, we're talking about the movies Halloween and Halloween. <laughs> but first, let's catch up. I don't know why I did that. I liked it. When I was calling you over Skype, I was going like... I... I wish that like the video was going before the I answered the call because I jumped so much when I heard the Skype noise come over. I don't know why it was so loud, but I like jumped out of my seat. Anyway, Mackenzie, what are you into this week? I watched Marianne on Netflix. It's the French uh, show, a horror show that everyone's sort of talking about, or at least our siblings are recommending to us <laughs> repeatedly. Um, it's about an author who writes these horror series and it's like revealed that what she, this isn't that much of a spoiler, but what she writes like comes to life. Mm -hmm. And I, it gets a little bit like repetitive and I think the monsters toward the end are like a little wacky, but overall I really had a fun time with it and it's refreshing because everyone believes that there's a demon like right mm. off the bat. Like everyone is just on board to help fight the demon. No one's like, you're crazy. Everyone's just like, oh, well, we have to help you fight the demon. And I hope that's what I my friends that. and family would be like if I told them I was haunted by a demon. Yeah, same. That's what we all hope to and then the second thing is the book Aristotle and Dante Discover the Secrets of the Universe. Wow, I've I never heard of this author. It's like a YA LGBTQIA book um, about two Mexican American boys that fall in love. Oh, maybe I did hear about this. Yeah, yeah. I, I think well, I it won like a crap ton of awards. Um, yeah. Which is why I decided to read it. Um, well, I listened to it, actually. It's actually, mm -hmm. it was narrated by Lin-Manuel Miranda. Um, oh, was it sexy and he was narrating it? That would be uh, hard for me. Yeah. Given, given well, they're, they're like kids, so it doesn't, like, it, he it's does a good job. Sexy. Yeah, it, he, they sound like kids. It's kind of refreshing because they... He does such a good, he sounds like a kid when he talks mm -hmm. that it, I, I was like, wow, 15, because they start at 15 and it's like, yes, 15 year old, that is a child. Like, I feel like For a sure. lot of like YA, like teen stuff, it's like. They sort of write them to be like adults a little bit. Adult, yeah, for sure. Just adults At, that are young. Yes, are, but these thing. are just like straight up kids, so it's very cute. Um, and the third thing I'm into is Harry Potter. <laughs> Harry Potter put in our outline in like size eight font. <laughs> I, I'm like a little bit embarrassed. I feel like it's like an indie recommendation. I have it. <laughs> So I visited my 10-year-old goddaughter this past weekend, and she had never seen the movies. She's, like, going through them with her parents, and she's on the sixth one, and we watched the sixth one together. Is she not going to read the books? She listened to them, like, when okay. she was super little. And she's okay. into this other book series right now called Wings of Fire, which okay. I'm reading now. It's about dragons. Aww. Nice. <laughs> um, but I 
love Harry Potter. I have like four signed copies of the book. I'm like obsessed. But I don't usually let that like freak flag fly. <laughs> I'm not like a st- like I'm not into the fandom, I guess. Yeah, you like could I say. wouldn't like put my house in my Twitter bio, you know? I'm yeah. Adult, but yeah. Well, like Harry even Potter? when I was yes. a kid, yeah, yeah, right. Like yeah. like I loved reading it when I was a kid. But I, even as a kid, I remember tra- really wanting to get into like the fandom aspect of it, and I just couldn't, yeah, do it. It was always disappointing because I was like, no, I just want like, I just want to be in the world. If it's yeah. not, if it's anything less than that, then I don't want it. <laughs> I wish that she too had like gone into hiding after the series was done. You know, <sighs> I think like everything she's put out afterwards has just been like detrimental to. Oh yeah, it's kind of sad in a way that she's very transphobic. I think. Yeah, it's a huge bummer. Yeah, so um, I'm into Harry Potter <laughs> through the ten year old, my ten year old goddaughter Lilia's eyes. <laughs> That's so sweet. This yeah. is a good time of year to get back into Harry Potter too. Yeah. So what about you? Um, so I watched last weekend for the first time uh, Candyman, a mm-hmm. horror movie that came out in the '90s. I think mm-hmm. um, it's really good. It's about the this um urban anthropologist i guess is what she would classify herself as who's in grad school who is interested in this um urban legend of the candy man and a lot of it is like pretty cringy because it is about like this white anthropologist like studying black people in chicago and like there's at one point where they're trying to enter like this building um and her best friend is also black <laughs> it's actually the same woman who plays uh Clarice's best friend in Silence of the Lambs. Um, okay. But there, she's like trying to reassure her black friend that it's safe to be around black people at one point. And it's like, oh, it's so cringy. Uh, yeah. I think it, for the time, had some like socially progressive ideas, but mm. kind of like how they mentioned in Horror Noir, it is like about um, the candy man who's a black man, like his like lust for this white woman, Helen, it has a really mm-hmm. big bummer ending too. Sorry for the spoiler, but it was good. And it's score is composed by Philip glass. So it's like a mm. B horror movie with like a, a score. Like the score is so good and so scary. It's like this creepy chorus. Definitely worth That's watching. Cool. Really, really good. Yeah. Um, I have been meaning to watch it. I feel like it's just like, part of the film canon that yeah. we and I'm really really excited because Jordan Peele is producing um a sequel to it I guess it's like a spiritual sequel and it's going to cover mm. it's going to be about like gentrification of the neighborhood that the original oh. is in so I think it's going to kind of be an improvement upon the politics yeah. of the first movie um I'm also into another movie it's my boyfriend's favorite movie of all time uh that we finally saw in like a restored version at an Alamo draft house two weeks ago. It's called the legend of Boggy Creek. It was made, I believe in the early seventies or sixties. And it's like a docudrama about this small town in Arkansas who experiences like a series of Bigfoot attacks and the town, some of the townspeople star as themselves in the film. Um, And it was, this was our first time like watching it on a big screen because there are so few copies available to watch. Um, And we were in an audience in, you know, Texas where Mm -hmm. beforehand the moderator kind of like asked if people had a connection to the film and a ton of people raised their hands and had lived in the town. One, the narrator's daughter was present. Like 
It was cool. And it's That's like awesome. definitely pretty hokey, but it's also mm-hmm. like a really well filmed movie. And like the Bigfoot is very scary in it and they like film him really well. So you see just enough to be kind of spooked, but I would recommend it. It's fun. Uh, and then lastly, I am reading for the first time Wuthering Heights. Have you read it? No. Well, Mackenzie, with your love of romance novels, I would say this one is so up your alley. Uh, <laughs> I especially love it. So it's about Heathcliff and Kathy who mm-hmm. meet his children and kind of become like star-crossed lovers, but they're both like little bitches. Like Kathy <laughs> is like a supreme bitch. She's like so mean. She's like slapping people and oh my God. talking shit. And Heathcliff- Wait, this sounds like after the anatod oh <laughs> i i don't know about that but maybe she's influenced by the brontes i don't know but um heathcliff i went looked up heathcliff on wikipedia and like the second paragraph on wikipedia is like many scholars believe heathcliff is a demon <laughs> wait like, this like, is there's like, a lot of like supernatural elements um they might sorry but i keep interrupting and tying it to after but i think in after they'd mentioned weathering heights i think really that, yeah this if that's the one based on Harry Styles, right? Yeah. You think Harry Styles would be able to sue? Like, don't write porn about my life or yeah. based on me. But anyway, sorry. Probably not. <laughs> that, so I'm that's what I'm into this week. Uh, weird <laughs> breadth of things. Let's um. Let's drop. Let's jump into this Halloween themed episode. Yes, let's do it on Halloween night. And well, okay. So we're the first. Okay, I think that's why that- we explain it. <laughs> I think these um, movies are going to be hard to talk about, like one after the other. Other, yeah, and they're, they're going to be really intertwined. But I other. think, like, we'll do all our best yeah. to keep them separate. But the first movie we're talking about is Halloween, the original one from 1978. Um, on Halloween night in 1963, six-year-old Michael Myers murders his teen sister Judith after she sleeps with her boyfriend. Michael is condemned to a sanitarium under the care of Dr. Loomis, who calls him purely and simply evil. Fifteen years later, Michael breaks free to continue his Halloween reign of terror on teenage girls. This time, he stalks a group of babysitters. Among them is Laurie Strode, the bookish virgin of her clique. When Michael and Laurie finally go toe-to-toe, final girl in horror history is made. Uh, what a classic. Yeah, by John Carpenter, who is funny following, we watched Christine a couple weeks ago and he definitely has like pretty similar stylistic flares. Uh, yeah. Even though I think this was his first like feature length film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, it made, I made a name for him. It made mm-hmm. a name for Jamie Lee Curtis kind of, I mean, mm-hmm. she's still known as like the scream queen because yeah. she was sort of the first final girl. And yeah, the daughter of Janet Lee, who is um, famously in Psycho, the woman killed mm-hmm. in the shower scene in, in Psycho, which is like such a crazy like Easter egg to realize about this film. Not that someone's mm-hmm. like parentage could be an Easter egg, but it kind of is. Yeah, a little bit. Um, yeah, have you ever heard John Carpenter referred to as the Prince of Darkness? No, <laughs> that's so metal. <laughs> I have like read about him being called that a few times now. And Amy Nicholson on her podcast referred to him as the Prince of Darkness. And I'm like, That's what so does funny. this man look like? Like, this is definitely just like an older white man who gets yes. to be called the Prince of Darkness now. 100%. Um, so one thing that's super notable about this film is it's kind of in a way like the seminal slasher movie about like a male oriented monster who kills a bunch of um, young people, particularly young women. Mm-hmm. And 
this movie, I think, made such an impact on viewers because Michael's, the source of Michael's evil is like so unexplained. And pretty mm-hmm. much the only explanation you can conjure, it's basically like subtext becomes text because the thing that kicks off Michael at the beginning of the film is like his sister has sex and then he mm-hmm. kills. Subs- like when he escapes six years later, he kills like young women who have sex. Mm-hmm. So that's like it. Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I mean, I guess Carpenter has said that he never meant anything mm-hmm. of it. And I think on one hand, it's like hard to believe that, I guess. It's like, but I, I guess we're also viewing it after like 40 years of things that have been influenced from mm-hmm. this movie. And it's like, who knows how we would have watched it if we were. Mm. like watching it for the first time like a lot of the scares like i think that like completely the way that we watch movies and the way that even the movie is made is just like every time Lori does something stupid or like she mm-hmm. doesn't like throw the knife away we're like why did you do that but it's like I don't know. She didn't watch slasher movies growing up. That, like. That's so true, too. And I think, like, John Carpenter can... he Maybe he truthfully didn't intend it that way. But I think even if he didn't intend it that way, it's, like, the easiest way to read it. And it's, like, the way that's, like, most true in a sense. That his cultural influences would kind of, uh, you know, influence him in that way. And also, like, when people have sex, have sex like, they're at their most vulnerable. So, like, mm-hmm. logistically, it just works, too. That mm-hmm. it's, like... Um, these young people in this moment of like surrender or whatever that they get mm-hmm. attacked in totally mm-hmm. unaware. Um, and so John Carpenter wrote this, co-wrote this with his girlfriend at the time, Deborah Hill, who's like totally awesome and produced a ton mm-hmm. of his movies and other movies. And I can't help but think um, or assume that one of the reasons why Lori and her group of friends come across as like kind of like naturalistic in a sense is Deborah yeah. Hill's influence. Yeah, um, no, I agree 100%. Which is really, really cool. Because if you think about like the other slasher movies like Friday 13th or whatever mm-hmm. and they're not like that. The it, it's just like this is the good girl, this is the bad girl and like the the bad girl is going to die and I think in Halloween Lori especially is she's like bookish, yes, and she hasn't had sex, but she also like smokes pot and hangs out with like the cool girls. So I think it's just I think Lori's character does a really good job of like walking the line between maybe wanting to be a little bad, mm-hmm. but also not necessarily feeling comfortable or ready for that yet. Um, mm-hmm. Which I think is something that's like so relatable to a teenage girl. Yeah. And like Jamie Lee Curtis said, like, you know, she was like a virgin at 17 too, you know, mm-hmm. it's like a common, not right. unlikely thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and John Carpenter has said, you know, like the reason why like Lori was the outsider was because like I wanted her to be alone you know like I wanted her yeah. to be like vulnerable and alone while her friends are mm-hmm. away mm-hmm. uh and um Hill Deborah Hill also said it was never a conscious decision the people who mentioned that in reviews applied their own morality to it I thought they were being ridiculously introspective about a film that was meant to have no social statements which like is a little silly mm-hmm. yeah uh, to say because like every yeah. film has like some sort of social statement right. um it's a movie about a man killing women and right you know <laughs> Uh, Carpenter agrees saying it wasn't my intention to make a moral point. I hadn't thought of it. The other girls were busy with their boyfriends. They're busy with other things. Lori had the perception because she's not involved. She's lonely. She's looking out the window and it's like, that's still, it's the same conversation. You know, it's like funny (laughs) that they're viewing it like that. (laughs) Yeah. Especially it's funny when people are just like John Carpenter was the first guy 
who did social like horror. He was yeah. the like, pioneer. And I'm like, okay, wait, but he didn't even like want he that. Was, yeah, he, it was like an accident. Uh, yeah. I like when Jamie Lee Curtis says, uh, Lori says, like, guys think I'm too smart though you know yeah. like mm-hmm. she can be too smart and not be like totally pitiful, pitiable like virgin you know right which yeah, i think yeah. she is you know yeah she, exactly like you were saying she has cool friends she's yeah out with other pretty girls yeah she could hook, hook up with ben tramer like i'm sure she's just like not ready yet she's trying like, to make money babysit yeah no. she like bosses around those kids i love when she's like do as i say i know like, like becomes her like catchphrase yeah that's awesome i know I she is it. like there is something like Jamie Lee Curtis for some reason, even though I think she was 19 when she made this, um, looks like 27. Like she looks very old. She's mature looking. For yes. Sure. Yeah. Um, and I think, I'm not sure if they like did that on purpose for her to be like, I don't know. She just seems very like distant almost, from her. Yeah. Yeah. Did you recognize the one friend was in Carrie? She's like one of the girl yeah. who wears the hat the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> That's her thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And I liked her friends too. And I think this is another good horror movie mm-hmm. where you do feel a level of attachment to, there's not a high body count, but like you feel a, a level of attachment to everyone who gets killed. Yeah, um, I think so. Although I would say I did feel more about the characters in the sec, the, the sequel. Yeah, the new Halloween. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Um, except for, like, maybe Lori, you know, like, yeah. Lori, I think. Well, I guess my overall thoughts and feelings about bo- mm. both of these movies sort of can be summed up in that I had sort of an equally enjoyable experience watching both of them. Um, mm-hmm. But that. I the more I think about the sequel, the less I like it, and the more I think about the first one, the more I like it. Um, I yeah, and I think a lot of it has to do with like just how well made the first one is, and mm. h- how successful it is at creating like an atmosphere, and because it's the first one, so it's like it yeah. it created Laurie and Michael Myers and the whole universe, so. Yeah, well, let's talk about that. Like, Carpenter makes so many interesting choices. Mm-hmm. Um, Amy Nicholson kind of breaks this down in her podcast on Halloween. The opening sequence is shot from the perspective of six-year-old Michael. So mm-hmm. that's something a lot of other movies have adopted is, like, the perspective of the killer. But mm-hmm. this is especially um, kind of upsetting because you're, like, a child killer. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the sequence, he's unmasked by his parents. And he's, like, mm-hmm. a six-year-old in the clown outfit holding mm-hmm. a knife. And, and it takes its time. It's one mm. shot, but it's a lot. It's long, and like it's not perfect because there's like sometimes the camera does go out of focus or whatever. But um, I think that the whole movie is very patient in building mm. the suspense, and I think that it really pays off, especially when Michael is unmasked and his mm. parents are just staring at him. It's it's so very long. weird. It it's like longer like, than you think it's going to be. Yeah. And his, his parents aren't really reacting. They're just like mm-hmm. staring at him. It's very like un- it puts you on edge, I think. Yeah. And it's kind of like Carpenter is doing the same thing Spielberg did in Jaws. You know, like Michael is just out of the frame for so much of the movie. 
And it really does, like you said, like build a ton of dread. Mm-hmm. Um, and the music, Mike, uh, like Carpenter's music, he mm-hmm. wrote it himself. So he's like a multi-hyphenate, <laughs> talented prince of darkness. Um, <laughs> he wrote it for something totally different and like just shelved it and was like, this could be like in a thriller or something. And then was mm-hmm. like, this is fine. It's like the cheapest for me to like use my own music. <laughs> and it's so iconic. Uh, mm-hmm. And honestly, like a bop. Like, I don't know if you've seen that Vine where that guy is, like, running from Michael and then the Halloween song starts playing and Michael starts, like, dancing. Oh, no, I haven't seen that. I'll I'll find it and send it to you. Okay. Um, Yeah, it's, like, really, really good. And it's repetitive, um, but notably silent when Michael kills someone, too. Like, it's just about the buildup. Yeah, you're right. Like, like or it'll build up or the moment he strikes it'll mm. start playing i've noticed like when he first kills um someone in the i think annie in the car um mm-hmm. i think there's like music maybe but yeah. um yeah you're right it's not like too much which is something that some movies I mean, we'll talk about it, but I think the sequel, the 2018 sequel too, like added too much like synth and stuff to it. Mm -hmm. It's like best when it's at bare bones, Mm -hmm. um, not like drawing too much attention to itself. Right. Uh, Yeah. Well, let's talk about Michael now. So it's funny that there's a serious, scary person in the world named Michael. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like real guy that he knew that he just, that was like, did you know that? really? Yeah. He named it. It was like this, um, I think like a, producer an english producer that he knew somehow and that had like really supported and helped his first movie and so he was like it's a tribute but (laughs) now i feel like the name michael myers is like cursed to be honest like i remember in third grade there was this kid named matthew myers and we still gave him shit about it we were like is your brother michael myers are you like it's confusing because also like the actor mike myers is such a like yes yeah which is it um, <laughs> I think Michael is the scariest of the seminal slasher villains, which includes yeah. uh, Freddy and Jason. Well, actually, like, I've never seen Freddy. Well, Freddy is like that. talkative. You know, he's like, ah, and, like, oh, really? That's not scary. Oh. Yeah. Uh, no, and then Jason wears a hockey mask. So he's a jock. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Michael's scary. Cause he, he doesn't talk. He's kind of like a shark. He also probably has a six pack cause he does all of these like, sit-ups <laughs> both films he like was played by uh um a hitman john carpenter no what in, this, in the second movie sorry go ahead. Oh, okay i was like what no <laughs> he was played by john carpenter's friend who was like i think he was just like helping out around said they were like can you just wear like do this and he was like i guess like if i'm wearing a mask because he couldn't act at all so he was like yeah. If I'm wearing a mask, like, that's fine. But he was, like, tiny. He was, like, 5'11 and, like, 150. Really? Yeah, he was, like, so pretty skinny. And, um, but it's almost, the- I mean, Amy Nicholson says this in her podcast, but she's, like, it's it's almost scarier for him to be, like, an average size because it could be anyone that's doing all this, yeah. like, horrible stuff. Which I think is part of the, um, I mean, they refer to michael as like the shape in the credits and yeah. and sort of in the That's sequel so a little bit and it's like you can project any 
fear onto him because he's just sort of like this blank slate. Mm-hmm. And it's it's interesting. I'm trying to find where we read this though. One second. Um, he's kind of like a showman. And in the yeah. New York Times, the New York Times reviewed the 1978 Halloween in 2008, and they wrote that Michael likes to watch, and he often seems more interested in a good scare than an efficient kill. In one memorable scene, he stages a grave for one of his victims, and when Laurie discovers it, two other corpses pop out at her—a jury rig spectacle. If Michael betrays any personality at all, it's as a showman of scares, albeit a much cruder one than John Carpenter. So, like, he loves a good gotcha moment. Yeah, he is a theatrical showman. Yeah. Um, more he so like, in this movie than the later one. He, like, puts on a ghost sheet. That's, yeah. like, the most ridiculous part of this movie, where he, like, puts on the ghost sheet and is, like, She's taunting. like, it's my boyfriend. Yeah. And then he sort of, I mean, there's a call to that, call back to that in the sequel, where he drapes yeah. the dead body of the first, um, not the first, the Vicky, the, girl, the yeah. girl's friend, um, in the, the sheet. And that's yeah. also like a theatrical, like he just, it's yeah, a film spotting said the same thing. They were like, this guy is like a showman. <laughs> he's like, uh, he's like when you, he's a food stylist. Um, <laughs> I think the most important thing to know about Michael is that his mask is a $2 William Shatner mask, like a Captain Kirk mask painted white. Which I know, is so funny. I was <laughs> when putting this together yesterday. I was like, I bet someone's asked William Shatner about that, but I think so. I think he, in the Halloween Unmasked, they talk about that. And they... Oh, my they, God. They do... He knows about it. I think so, they played a clip of someone asking about oh, it. Oh, God. Thank God. He <laughs> I'm just glad he knows. <laughs> well, I think... So, I think... One of the, the strong parts about this movie that I admired so much was the... The feeling of, like... It really captured the feeling of Halloween for me, I guess. Mm. Um, and just like of small, like of suburban, like yeah. Halloween and fall. Yeah. And it, um, because I think that's a lot of movies do try and capture that, but sort of it falls flat. Mm. Like I, the only other movie really that I think really captures it is like Halloween Town. <laughs> In the beginning where they're like trick-or-treating and stuff and like like maybe hocus pocus too when they're like yeah. trick-or-treating Just and stuff but hocus pocus. yeah but i think like it shows all the kids trick-or-treating carpenter does this great job of doing these like long shots of these um or long takes of these uh like really mm-hmm. wide uh suburban streets and just like Apparently they had to buy all the leaves. <laughs> I saw they just, that. They kept recycling them. They and like had to rake them up every time because they were the mm-hmm. most. They took up like a large part of their budget. Um, um, I think there's an interesting comparison too to be made to like It Follows, which is um, mm-hmm. a similar movie in that there's like a lack of adult presence. You know, mm-hmm. like I don't think we meet Laurie's parents at all, and no. then otherwise there's the cop and Doctor Loomis who are like the stand-in parental figures. Mm-hmm. Who are ineffective at protecting mm-hmm. anyone in the movie, and mm-hmm. that's uh, kind of like a through line with it follows mm-hmm. um, is like the lack of adult presence. Uh, and suburbia is an interesting choice for 
all of these movies because it's like this liminal space between like the country and the city and it's all American, you know, but Mm -hmm. still can be like the site of like extreme horror. Mm -hmm. Um, that's totally like unexpected. Right. Um, Like it feels like almost any place in America could be mapped onto it mm -hmm. because like you can find that little town, like in any state. Yes. But Deborah Hill did base Haddonfield on her hometown in New Jersey, (laughs) (laughs) which makes sense. Uh, It said Haddonfield and I was like, wait, New Jersey. Yeah. Uh, yeah illinois but illinois looks like new jersey and it was shot in la so like what matters <laughs> who knows <laughs> it's exactly make la look like maybe we've all been tricked into thinking like la could be anywhere you know yeah. <laughs> you watch the office and they're really in la and you're like pennsylvania Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah um i'm excited to talk about the sequel and compare it uh i think they're they do some interesting changes with some of the characters, particularly like Michael and Laurie. Mm-hmm. But first, do you want to get into some of these excellent one-star reviews? Yes. Uh, okay. The first one is, you will get dumber just watching this dumb movie. The girl half stabs the serial killer, drops the knife next to him, and decides to take a nap beside him? Could it get any dumber? I don't think so. Mackenzie was being faithful to all of these spelling mistakes in that review she doesn't have a lisp um here's one the music is so ineffective and repetitive the theme sounds like the music for an action thriller and not a horror plus throughout the film the music is very basic with little atmosphere like strong disagree yeah what that's just maybe that person just doesn't have eyes or ears (laughs) i know like what and then the last one is there are many problems here, such as the opening scene of Myers killing someone had me rolling my eyes and laughing a bit. Also, after 15 years in a mental hospital, how can Myers drive a car so nicely? He's been institutionalized since he was a child. Did he get his license in the loony bin? This is a fair point, And I thought of a movie in which like Lori and her friends are like walking through Haddonfield talking and you just see a car behind them like wipe out <laughs> and like hit a bunch of other cars <laughs> and they turn around and they're like, what's going on? They're like, whatever. And keep walking. <laughs> And then the movies. There's no movie then. <laughs> He's just in an accident. He's like a crazy man who can't drive a car. <laughs> oh, so good. Mackenzie, what are your final thoughts on the original Halloween? I'm going to rate it. This is when I wish I had the Excel sheet. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make the Excel sheet you of should. the ratings. But I'm going to say a seven and a half. Seven and a half. I'm going to go a full eight. Like, I think even if Carpenter kind of, like, didn't intend uh, this movie to have, like, a rich social commentary, he provided the, like, fodder for a lot of really interesting Mm -hmm. stuff to come. Uh, Lori is kind of a quintessential final girl. And I think it's just, I think one of the reasons why it's so strong is, like, it's economically, like, very concise in its storytelling mm-hmm. and it's really scary for that reason so i'm gonna give it an eight i like this movie a lot i was almost there but i don't that's, know that's fine you just like couldn't believe the part about the grown man driving a car <laughs> <laughs> half a star gone So next up, we're going to talk about last year's newest Halloween movie. 40 years after Michael plummets from the balcony of the Wallace house, he remains confined in a sanatorium. 
Even after decades, no insights have been made into his nature, and in spite of high security, he's able to break free once more. He heads again to Haddonfield, Illinois, where the daughter, Karen, and granddaughter, Allison, of Laurie Strode reside. Laurie is ready for him this time. She has spent the past 40 years preparing for another fight with her tormentor. Um, I remember when the trailer came out for this movie, I was so excited and so touched because Jamie Lee Curtis like looks like a grandma and is like kicking butt in this movie. And I was like, finally. And also news had just come out about, um, fuck, the original Sarah Connor, whose name I can't remember, returning to Terminator. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yes, finally some big budget action movies with women over 50. Yeah. Yeah. I loved that. And I think I love that. That's one of the strengths of the movie after watching it too. Yeah. Agreed. It's like, obviously, so this movie is written by Danny McBride, directed by David Gordon Green. Obviously this movie would have been a a lot stronger on like PTSD for women Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. trauma if their mm-hmm. woman had been involved in the production at all. Mm-hmm. But I think it does a fair job for two guys mm-hmm. kind of blundering, mm-hmm. forcing it into a heart movie, you know? Right. I think like it, it tries to reference all these big, it's almost like the opposite of the first one where it like is trying really hard to reference all these yeah, like big ideas, but it sort of drops them and doesn't follow through. Too yes. much. Like like trauma is like obviously this huge theme of it, but what it doesn't really go any deeper than being like, This is a huge theme. <laughs> yeah, it's like this this is the theme. Yeah. <laughs> so like, we basically Lori again, yeah. and she you knows she's like in her sixties. I guess actually no, she's since forty years later, she's like fifty seven. Um she is a very young grandmother and also if you do the math, like she had Judy Greer at like fourteen and then Judy Greer had her daughter at like fourteen. It's just doesn't wait really yeah the math doesn't work at all judy greer is like 45 and laurie i mean jamie lee curtis is like 58 and the granddaughter is like 17 it just doesn't make any sense uh that kind of bothered because because they talked about that in the podcast they were like they were like our math has to work like so that laurie had the daughter like right away right after like she like immediately Colleen. got pregnant yeah Lori had this terrible thing happen to her and was like i'm losing my virginity like I well no that she, she like what well, i guess they um jamie lee curtis and john comforter slash maybe like one of the new guys david gordon green i don't know like came mm-hmm. up with a back sort of like a little bit of a backstory that it was mm-hmm. like Karen was conceived just like in a bar bathroom one night oh, like, and she was sort sad. of like an alcoholic kind of or something. That's sad. Which, okay. Well, and I guess Halloween that makes H2O, sense. which has been like not included in the canon, sort of like, mm-hmm. so Halloween has had like a million sequels or slash mm-hmm. spinoff, I don't know, in between the first one and this one. And Jamie Lee Curtis in, is in like a, at least a couple, a couple of, them. of them. Yeah. Um, and I guess... And Halloween H two O, I think. Jesus, I don't know. I'm so stupid. Them, so, um, she's so in it, and she plays Lori like many years later, and is she's like a professor at a university in California, and is like an alcoholic. So, but okay, that's retconned and not did like, not happen. good for Jamie Lee Curtis coming back for all of these movies. You know, I'd be like, yeah. uh, okay, another one. 
Um, so we meet Lori and she's kind of like this in like survivalist mode. She lives by herself in the woods and like this giant tricked out house. And she's kind of like vaguely estranged from her daughter because her daughter was taken away from her because she had like a survivalist crazy upbringing, always preparing for Michael to return. And so we are introduced to her, her granddaughter, Allison, whose name is spelled A L L Y S O N. And in our notes, I spelled it the normal way. Um, <laughs> Why did uh, they do that? I don't know. <laughs> uh, but Allison is, you know, a regular teenage girl. She has a doofy boyfriend and some friends. Um, and she, it's interesting, like, how the plot with Allison mirrors and subverts some of Laurie's original plot in the first film. Um, and it's it's funny because it's like, the universe is aware of Michael, you know, this time around. And Mm -hmm. when you see Michael like walking around on Halloween night, you're like, aren't people like, whoa, (laughs) crazy local serial killer costume. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You have committed, sir. Yeah. (laughs) They do make some like fun references, like, like where they're the Allison is like explaining her to her friends about why her oh, grandma's yeah. like crazily paranoid and the and they're like isn't it didn't your like didn't her brother wasn't it her brother or whatever and they're uh-huh. like oh that's just a rumor that they made up or whatever which is like referencing the, plot of the second this. one yeah yeah but I guess it is like all those spinoff ones it's like there are a million like Spider Man movies you know? I know it's and, like, like leg- yeah. It's the myth know. of the Halloween, like myth. Now there's multiple uh, yeah. ones floating around. Um, so David Edelstein in Vulture said that this new Halloween is the hashtag me too Halloween. The one that says the body never forgets the memory of assault and that the trauma is passed down to future generations in all sorts of unpleasant ways. And Jamie Lee Curtis said very clearly, Lori Strode had no help. She had no mental health services. A group of psychologists didn't descend on Haddonfield. I believe Lori Strode went back to high school two days later with a bandage on her arm. And that's about it. I don't think people talked about it. So for me, the exploration of trauma was integral to not only the writing, but for then the performance. And I think she gives an amazing performance in this. Um, Mm -hmm. she's like gruff, but, um, it's just nice to see her like vindicated too, in a way, you know, mm-hmm. it's like really satisfying. It's like the ultimate, I told you so. Right. Of course. And I think she does say to the, oh, we didn't mention the podcasters at all, Ugh. but, uh, the beginning setup of the movie is these, um, podcasters are doing this like investigative series on the murders and they go to visit Michael Myers in the sanatorium and sort of like wave the mask in his face and are like, mm-hmm. Michael, don't you want to talk? And so stupid. <laughs> then they go to Lori's house and they're like, we're podcasters. Can you talk to us? And she's like, no. And then she lets them in for $3,000 and they talk to her for three minutes. And then she's like, okay, time's up. Bye. And she says time's up. And that's like, oh, true, true, true. I didn't really <laughs> catch that. Oh God. Again, I think it would have been less ham fisted in. And, yeah. you know, they're having two sequels, so maybe they'll do a better job oh, really? of exploring. Yeah, two sequels. So, you know, like, Lori's going to die in the next one, probably. Because how are they going to just keep justifying? But I'm down for more Judy Greer, to be honest. Me too. I, Judy I and Allison her. step up. Yeah. 
I, yeah, I loved Judy Greer, who plays the daughter, Karen. Mm-hmm. Greer says, Karen is a character who is actively trying to rewrite her own narrative and her life. This is a woman who has spent her entire life trying not to do what she ends up doing in the movie, but it's in her blood. It's in her bones, in her DNA. She was conceived with this in her body, um, which is awesome. I guess yeah, that's very bones. cool. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. That is awesome. I, and um, I love that she, it, she is trying to write her own narrative. Like she, I love that she has the Christmas sweater on, on Halloween. She's just oh, like, yeah. she's just okay. like, I don't like this day. <laughs> and I'm not gonna, <laughs> like, partake. I don't want it. <laughs> her husband is really sweet, but not. A doofus. A doofus too. Uh, yeah. Uh, I love Judy Greer slash Karen's big moment in this movie. In the theater, mm-hmm. I saw it in so it's set up like they're they're in Lori's house and Michael's chasing them all around. And Karen is like tasked with like trying to take Michael out. She has a shotgun and she starts mm-hmm. crying. She's like, Mom, I can't do it, Mom, I'm scared. <laughs> and people in my theater started snickering and like were like laughing at her, like mm-hmm. laughing out loud at her crying. And then Michael steps into the frame and her whole demeanor shifts and she's like, Gotcha. And she shoots him like point blank. <laughs> And then Lori, like, jumps out of the darkness with a knife. She's like, happy Halloween, Michael. It's great. It's so badass. It's such a good moment. I, like, have like, chills, obviously. as you described. I have chills, too. I have chills, too. And it's funny because it's like, yeah, like, her mom did train her, you know. It did mm-hmm. It did end up mattering. Um, mm-hmm. It's so beautiful. Yeah. Uh, so Michael has changed a bit in this movie. He's been locked away for 40 years. And he... His body count is like a lot higher in this movie and less mm-hmm. focused on horny teens. Like there's a whole sequence where he just like kills people. Mm-hmm. And there's a line, I guess, where it's the same time where the, she's telling her friends about her grandma or whatever. And the, mm-hmm. her one friend is like, didn't he like kill two people with a knife? Like that's not even a big deal. That's and true. it's like, School oh, shootings. like yeah. I guess not anymore because like people are just being mass murdered like every day, which is That's such a good point. freaking insane. And yeah. like, so it makes sense that the body count went up, I guess, in this movie. But it also like sort of I feel like like a lot of the killings to me just seemed uh, like window dressing. Like, yeah, yeah. Like he just goes into people's houses and kills people, and I'm like, okay, but why? I know, and it's because it's guess, less. It's. I guess there isn't a reason. I guess that's he has the forty thing. years. Like he's he's evil. been yeah, yeah, he's been like waiting. Um, yeah. So since Danny McBride like wrote this film, it's a lot funnier than the original too. Like there are like mm-hmm. laugh out loud jokes built into the mm-hmm. script. Um, particularly, I love this little boy who's being who's got the babysitter. Oh, I love that kid. <laughs> he's so funny, and he he knows that Michael's in the house, and the babysitter mm-hmm. has her boyfriend over, and he, she's like, "Okay, I'll go check." And he's like, "No, send Greg." Like, let Greg. <laughs> yeah, <check."> I know. <laughs> I love that. He's so oh, cute. I I and that's the thing. This movie it it was better written than the mm-hmm. first one, I think. But like because. It did have like a lot more characters, but you cared about every single one. It was crazy. It was like there is like all this not like throwaway scene with two. No, well, yeah, not them. But there's like this throwaway scene where it's like two uh, cops. Yeah. They make you care about cops. Like I know in this day and age, who gives and a shit die. anyway? <laughs> and the little boy whose dad is taking him to dance lessons. It's yeah. like a joke, but it's sweet. <laughs> Yeah, it is. It's very sweet. Like you, you want 
you want to root for basically everyone except for Michael. And I think that is what... I think, honestly, this movie actually made me feel like more than the original. And I think Mm. it's because the writing... That's interesting. I watched them for this time around. I had seen both of them before. I watched the mm-hmm. new one first and then the original. And mm-hmm. I got like choked up watching the original because I'm like, mm-hmm. there's Lori. She's so young. And right. That has happened to her yet. You know? Well, that's the thing. I think that if I were... T- so I watched for both for the first time last week, the original and then the the next one. And I think if I were to go back and watch the original now, I'd feel more because I feel like Lori was characterized more. Mm. in this one like like i feel like i know her better now which makes sense she's been now in two movies like i know her for longer now but i'm happy that they gave her that like um kind of refrain of saying like do as i say you know like Mm -hmm. laurie is in charge and Mm -hmm. even in the first film you know like she has like two like awards basically that she's like protecting she's Mm -hmm. always had this role of like being a protector Mm -hmm. um and do you, even though like we've been saying they kind of do like bungle the idea of like trauma mm-hmm. um it's the final act of the film and the final like action set piece takes place in this house of Lori's where she has created a replica set of the bedroom she was attacked in by michael which is crazy and i didn't like mm-hmm. totally catch that the first time watching it that it's like the closet that she got attacked in the balcony mm-hmm. that he gets thrown over um and uh, David Gordon Green says, you know, like it's a, a peek into the psyche of our grief adult, like heroine. Mm-hmm. Um, subconsciously, everyone is going to know that that's the closet where she grabbed the coat hanger and that's the balcony that he went over. Um, he says, this is not scream queen, Laurie Strode. This is the Laurie Strode that's evolved from the very ending of the first film. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's cool. And I, I like basically what she's, what they realized too, is that like, it's not her cage. It's like his trap. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was very cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so... Yeah, I feel like... I don't know. I like them both a lot, but, like, for different reasons. Mm-hmm. And even though, like, I think that... Yeah, I guess I, guess I did just, like, was more impressed with the characters in the sequel because of the mm-hmm. writing. But the bigger themes i guess and Mm. also the scares and just the atmosphere they're not as good as the first one yeah that's true that's so true um this movie has a really great one star review that i found it's the second one but i'll read the first one which is um if i knew how bad this was i would rather watch some youtube cat videos Wow, you know how that's a that that person is a boomer. Yeah, <laughs> like who so they like, like? Let me get some popcorn out and cue up YouTube. Yeah, and like cat videos. Like okay, passe. De- yeah, <laughs> we want the depression humor. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, this is the second one star review. Laurie Strode is annoying as hell in this one. Her offsprings are annoying too, especially her loud daughter. If I hear her screaming, mom, once again, I swear, death scenes are horrid and unmemorable. No suspense, no terror, no sense of dread. Male characters are reduced to nothing while all females are glorified. I mean, sounds like a 10 star movie. <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> they do that on purpose. Like all of the guys are just like useless and I'm like here for it. Yeah, that's so true. That's kind of like, 
expanded from like adults are useless to like men in this movie are useless and mm-hmm. no one can protect Lori and her family, but Lori, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I love, I love like a final note. I love the last scene of this movie. It's like yeah. my favorite, I think final scene of any horror movie. Me too. Because it totally flips it from there being one final girl to being like yeah. final women and they're all working together. It's just like, it's awesome. Like I love all that. All in the back of a pickup truck and they're like three generations. It's yeah, very cool. And they're just like holding each other. Yeah. And well, it's like looking- so ref- like, and like I said, just not one. There's like many final. Feminism is many traumatized women, not just one. Hey, it's many survivors working together. There you go. Um, I'm looking forward to the two subsequent sequels. Hopefully they explain why Michael is uh, able to survive anything. I mean, they shouldn't explain that, but whatever. I bet he comes out of the wind. There's like a window down there. Yeah, Sorry, uh, not to be that but person, but like... He gone. <laughs> <laughs> Mackenzie, what is your final rating for Halloween 2018? I'm going to rate it a seven. Um, So just a little less than the original, I think. Neck because, and neck. like, I think it... Nowadays, I think it's easier to write a funny movie than it was. So I think it's... They didn't have Vine. They didn't have YouTube. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh... And, but it's always going to be hard to, like, capture the atmosphere, like, of a... Of just a single night of, like... Mm -hmm. And, like, nostalgia of, like, childhood and Halloween. Yeah. With, like, the country leaves and, like, you can almost, like, feel the brisk, like, fall air. Yes, it's so true. And, um, from the first one. And, like, the scares and the, like, slow build suspense of the first one, it's just, like, you can't replicate it, really. And that's what makes it so special. Um, Mm -hmm. and... They do like rush all that in this like second one, which I guess they might have had to because it's like you you kind of know what you're getting. It's just I not guess. as ergonomic or like mm-hmm. streamlined, you know. It's mm-hmm. too it's much clunkier. And for right, that reason, I right. Would, I will give it a six. Still really okay. enjoyed it though, and like mm-hmm. loved this as a double feature too. Mm-hmm. Um, and looking forward to the other ones. Yeah, it would really help us out if you left us a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at ChickFlixPod and email us at ChickFlixPodcast at gmail.com. Our next episode will air on November 11th. We're discussing the iconic film Twilight and Personal Shopper. <laughs> it's Kristen Stewart month at ChickFlix, <laughs> a national holiday that soon um <laughs> chick flicks is researched and written by bridget hovell and edited by mackenzie chapman many thanks to tim grief carlson for our music and thank you for listening to chick flicks and have a happy and safe halloween <laughs> yes be safe lock your doors be don't be a final girl bye <laughs> bye <laughs>